Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the week of March 14th, 2018. I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Hello. Ben. Yo. And Aaron. Uh, Emily will be joining us shortly, however, uh, she's still catching up on Cardcaptor Sakura, and Ben is on a tight schedule for today, so this episode may actually just be two separate recordings that I stitched together as some Frankenstein-esque monstrosity, uh, just to make everyone's schedules work properly. So Duct that'll be fun. Super glue. So, we're just gonna play this by ear, uh... You know, you can find show notes at www.audioentropy.com or uh, projectharihi.net. And uh, we're just going to start with Magus's Bride and see where fate takes us. Uh, so, uh, Play on words. Yeah, so Magus's Bride, episodes 21 and 22. Two. Correct, sir. Yeah, where Elias makes possibly the worst decision that he could have made <laughs> I think Elias knew who the girl was and well, yeah, it was, yeah. well here's the thing is that if I'm recalling correctly the girl is not actually Cartifess or whatever uh, the hell his Joseph. name is we'll, think, we'll call him just yeah, Joseph, Joseph. Yeah, but, she's like, she's possessed. being possessed by him. Right. So, like, the girl herself is, like, still there, is still, like, a sentient being. She's just being taken over. So it would still be pretty messed up for uh, Elias to do, like, a ritual sacrifice on her. Uh, uh, well, he was jealous of her, too. Yeah. If I'm recalling what happens in the manga, he doesn't know that Joseph is possessing her. Yeah, he... he... Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's that he was just he was he was he was just obsessed with saving Chise, and he was willing to accept, you know, killing somebody else in order to save Chise. Yeah. Uh, and so and he admits he admits it. Yeah, and Chise gets high, very justifiably furious at him. <laughs> Yeah, because like, yo, dude, she's my friend. You don't get to just blood sacrifice my friend because you're jealous. But, well, well it's she not that he's jealous. It's just he genuinely wants to save her. Well, by he, any means necessary. Yeah, but here's the thing: if if he if it if the jealousy wasn't at least a little part of it, he could have just picked up any random dude off the street. Well, she say would yeah, still she say would still have been pissed at that. Well, yeah, but there's. I'm saying there's a specific reason he chose her for the blood sacrifice. Well, he said that when he looks at Chisa, he said, you looked at her different than anybody else, and it upset me. So, if we're all watching yeah. the same... same yeah. yeah, there's a reason Elias went for her specifically and not just, like, a random stranger. Like, both would be bad, certainly, uh, and Chise would be mad regardless, justifiably, but, like, there's a specific reason Elias picked that person, uh, which made it even more just a horrible thing for Elias to do. Uh, and the fact that... I'm Honestly, I think I'm most disappointed in uh, Roots because he should really know better. Yeah, him siding with Elias was like... 
Ooh, bad move. Like I, like I get that he is Chisei's familiar, and he has like a a sort of instinct to protect her at all costs, but also like he knows human emotions better than Elias does, and Chisei's own feelings better than Elias does. So he really should have known better. I mean, yeah, but again, he's her familiar. His number one priority is keeping her safe and alive. Yeah, like, right. So the thing is, the motivations of these people are perfectly believable, (laughs) and, and and that's what makes what they do so horrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the fact that their motivations are frighteningly skewed toward one goal mm-hmm. um, at, at the expense of everything else. And Shisei rightly calls up, calls out how messed, th- messed up that is. Uh, yeah, which, yeah, which leads her to actually start working with Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Because for once, Joseph isn't the biggest monster in the room. Uh, no, but that eye swap was pretty weird. Yeah, the eye swap was rough. Yeah, so that gets that takes us into episode twenty-two. Yeah, where we get Chisei's backstory and sort of see how, sort of see like what her mother was really like and what drove her mother to madness uh and man her mom just gets a raw deal yeah yeah and and it's kind of funny he packs up the boy and walks out and leaves i guess i guess chisei's line is passed genetically and so her, her and her mother were the same yeah they had the same they had the same curse basically yeah which kind of um yeah yeah a curse that the curse that makes uh evil spirits apparently uh exclusively want to just ruin their lives yeah and you well especially you you know you think like what what she says mother went through and what you know eventually she just like couldn't take it anymore uh you know that like if if it wasn't for elias she say would have gone through the same thing and would have ended up yeah. in the same place. So it gives a, you know, you know, so it gives a a very disturbing perspective on on, on well, what's it, going on there. That ending sequence between her and her mother where her mother turns into flower petals where she says, uh, I can't forgive you, but see what was the line? Oh, she can't, I don't have the episode yeah, up right now. Yeah, she she was something I can't forgive you, but I understand. You know, and it's like uh, it's uh, it was interesting. I I think the where it got me is the where she was sitting there as a small child, and the creature creature was biting on her arm, and her mother comes in and slices it up. Oh so, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I did like that moment of not necessarily reconciliation, but of sort of letting go the picture of the the monster mother that Shise had constructed and um, sort of embracing, uh, sort of realizing that her 
while her mother like you know the things that her mother did were you know not good uh chase could also see herself in there and can see what led her mother down to that path uh and sort of can you know embrace her mother as the flawed but flawed person she was that still tried very hard to make things work even if she ultimately failed yeah well it's like now it's like nevin said she had she had to move forward and that's she moved forward all right yeah the line is i won't forgive you i won't forget you yet there you go uh, anyway i but i'm going to leave you and move on yeah yeah, yeah. And that, that was all that... It, it's kind of interesting how when Chise needs uh, counsel, Nevin kind of just appears out of nowhere. <clears throat> yeah, those those dragons are good. Yep. <laughs> uh, Boy, now now yeah. I'm waiting with uh, twitchy fingers for the next episode well, to come out. Yeah, but I but get, of course, I Aaron, how... you said there are two chapters left? Well, okay. So, as of the air date for um, episode 22 is what we're talking about? Correct, sir. It got all the way up to halfway through the current chapter. Wait, really? Yes. And a new chapter chapter came out today. Well, okay, the translation for the new chapter came out today. Okay. And it doesn't finish this arc. Okay. Huh. What so, the heck are the next two episodes oh, going to be? I, I hope I'm not smelling the words anime original because I will, I will go berserk. No. What I'm betting is going to happen is that it's going to end uh, with the anime and then the manga is going to follow the anime. Because unlike um, where other shows normally run out, <clears throat> it's followed the manga almost perfectly. So I'm... I'm betting that the anime is going to end and the manga is going to follow it and then maybe uh, continue on. Uh, so you think like they, so I think they like synced it up. So uh, like they intentionally synced it up. Yeah. They, like they're being worked on simultaneously. Well, that's the thing is that they, I think they, they've, they've, they've had input from the author so that, so, yeah. you know, so the author is not being hands off here. All right. Yeah. That would make sense. Cause, yeah, because she actually wrote, because uh, she actually wrote the uh, the uh, like the OVA the OVA episodes. Yeah, which oh, is huh. weird because those feel a lot different than her normal style. Yeah. Right, anyway, it's, I says we got two more episodes to go. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm gonna give these episodes five. Yes. Okay, this of is, course. This is this is powerful, compelling stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to something more powerful and more compelling. Uh, yeah, L- let's talk about uh, yeah, a place farther than the universe episodes uh, ten and eleven. And the show still has not put a foot wrong. Uh, yeah, I keep waiting for it to have like a like bad or at least mediocre episode, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, episode 11 especially was super good um, and I recall I recall seeing a post on um, my Twitter timeline where 
uh, someone was like, you know, it usually in Moe shows like this, where you have sort of the the moment of understanding. There's also like a reconciliation. They go like, oh yeah, everything's fine now. We're all friends again. But like in Antarctica, on episode eleven, you know, there is the moment where like the the character moves on, and sort of there is that catharsis, but that catharsis is partly achieved through just telling the friends who were dicks just off just telling them off oh yeah shirase (laughs) yeah just perfectly encapsulated like what i was feeling about those people it's just like yeah like we totally skipped over episode 10 here but episode 11 was just so good (laughs) episode 10 was the birthday party right Uh, the unloading and moving stuff around and getting used yeah yeah, episode okay. 10 was like a very like a fun and like sort of light and fluffy episode um but 11 had a lot of like just really interesting pathos well wow. <laughs> well pen had well pen had like you know yuzuki who like because she'd been working as an actress she never had the opportunity to make friends and oh yeah that's and, true. you know and so she was like you know you know, understanding what friendship really means. Yeah, there was kind of like a, a Violet Evergarden-esque part of this uh, episode where she's like, sign a contract with me that we'll keep being friends. And they're like, what? Well, that's all she's ever dealt with. Every time, you know, she wants to do anything, it's like, you want to act, you want to sing, here, sign the paperwork, and we're good. So Yeah, and yeah. so they had to explain to her, like, you know, the reason why... Uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Like the the main brunette girl uh, got Mari. Yeah, the reason why Mari got you know kind of offended by it is because like, uh, you know she her word should be enough. Like they shouldn't need to prove it with a contract. <laughs> and she's like, oh, but that's the, going back again. That's that's the only thing that yeah she's her life has ever revolved around any anything that's wanted done it's always always had to be in writing yeah. it's always so yeah. she's and got she's got i mean that's to it. <clears throat> that's why i made the violet evergarden comparison. also also the uh at the uh also when you know when uh when kimari finally has you know you know finally has you know conversation with uh with yuzuki uh there's a really neat callback to episode five yeah yeah with her friend ren yeah, who uh, sort of does that? I'm breaking up my friendship with you. Um, yeah, well, Meg- like, Megami. I, I did all these men. Yeah, I... was it Megami? Yeah, oh, Megami. You're right. You're right. Yeah, never mind. I got I got Rin's her sister. I was close. I had it in the same ballpark. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. So that was episode ten. Then episode eleven gets into what Hinata's deal. And you know why she dropped out of high school, and yeah, and it's a form of because she because she dared to be faster than the seniors, <laughs> <clears throat> and they started up a bunch of uh, rumors about her, uh, and because one of them couldn't go to the track, the, their final track meet. Yeah, because uh, she she happened to be better, but. If she'd been a third year, there wouldn't have been any problem. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so she is, you know, like, sort of, like, understandably really ticked off when they call her when she's at Antarctica and act like, you know, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then... <laughs> she just, uh... There's, like, a really great scene where she just goes out into the snow and just, like, starts punching and kicking snow. You have to you have to take those pent up frustrations out. If you leave them bottled yeah. up, they'll eat you alive. Yeah, I I also love one of the things I loved about episode eleven is when Shirase tells her friends off. Well, her former friends off for her. Uh, she said like she uses the same phrasing that. Uh, oh, Hinata. Dang, I can't remember her name. Hinata. Hinata. Yeah, she's the same word, same phrase Hinata uses when she's like yelling at the snow. She says, "Piss off." <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to Shirasi's voice actress because one, she's capable of pulling it off because this isn't the first time that she's done a scene like that. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed both of these episodes and sort of what it revealed about the characters um i do like that uh, even though they sort of uh, delved into their uh, like some of their issues during their introductions that they uh, you know are gonna keep going back to these characters and kind of what uh like adding additional depth to them yeah yeah, so I'm giving these episodes fives. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm, gee, how come we keep agreeing here? Yeah. Aaron, do you have anything to say about Antarctica? You're still watching the show, right? Unfortunately, I didn't catch up with it this time. Ah, oh, dang. Oh, well. I'll catch up, you could say that it. I'm cooling on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to... Drum roll. Drum <sighs> Anyway, so uh, let's talk about, uh, I don't know. Violet Evergarden? Violet Evergarden, episode nine? Yeah, sure, why not? So, uh, so I could have sworn that this was the final episode. It it felt like a final episode. It so did, like, especially the final scene where it has, like, it even does the whole, oh, the credits are playing over the actual, like, action and then you have the dramatic speech by, uh, like, the dramatic final words of, you know, her, the, like, the new mentor character, the dude with the red hair. Then you have her finding out what her name means. And, uh, and a flashback, and a, well, a flash of what all the other people that she helped are currently doing. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they t- have, like, the where are they now? It's like, <laughs> I was well, certain, I was like, you know, I... Yeah, I even thought to myself, like, I thought there were more episodes than this, but I guess it's ending at episode nine. <laughs> no, uh, and when the when the abusive brother showed up on his crutch to have Violet write his sister a letter, I was like, "Wow." Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad <clears throat> she straightened him out because. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, this was a like a really emotional episode, actually. Uh, I. But there was a lot of blood in this episode. Yeah, I I think my I think actually my favorite part of it was uh, the scene where Violet is sitting in her room and then like 
destroys all the stuff on her desk and then is about to destroy the plush puppy and then she can't bring herself to do it so she just puts it on the ground in front of her and then tries to choke herself to death yeah self-strangulation yeah and with with those hands i mean she could have crushed her throat so i'm not sure how hard she was trying um, I mean, we don't know how much strength the things can do. Yeah. Also, also, just like it's it's just in general difficult to use your own body to strangle yourself, especially if you require, especially if you have to put like muscle force into it because your body is gonna naturally try to not die. <laughs> your body surprisingly greatly prefers not death. Yeah, so it it's kind of hard to choke yourself to death with just your hands. Um, so it's more the fact that it's more in the fact that she actually tries it. Um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode that like i feel like in most other circumstances i would kind of be rolling my eyes at for just being over the top uh but violet evergarden makes it work for me somehow i think it's because it earns this yeah uh, i i'd i'd be hard pressed to say why because i'm sure i could if i thought about it for like a couple days uh really dug deep into it but like off like off my gut feelings, I can't really tell you why exactly it earns it. I think if I was pressed, I'd say part of it has to do with the fact that the characters in Violet Evergarden, generally speaking, feel more like people and less like melodramatic archetypes. So the the melodrama that happens to them... I feel more invested in. Well, it's believable. Well, yeah, I mean, because, like, yeah, for most of the show, for most of the show, you know, like, Violet sort of fits into the archetype of the, yeah, fits into the, fits into the archetype of, like, the, you know, the emotionless girl. The Ray Ayanami. Yeah, that's weird, that's yeah except, it, it, oh. except the show makes clear, and is very good about making clear, that, you know that Violet has always had these feelings, but has never, but has never really, uh, never really figured out how to express them. Yeah, and, like, but and part partly because she doesn't know how to label them, she doesn't know like what to call them, and or even like how to healthily talk about them, right, to someone, and and so. And, yeah, and so over, you know, like, all these, like, episodes of, uh, all these episodes of working as, you know, you know, of working as a doll, like, writing letters, uh, where, where she tries to, you know, where she has to find the words to express other people's feelings, uh, you know, she start, it's, it's because of that whole process that, she finds the words to express her own feelings. Yeah. Uh, shell shock heroin. Yeah, I mean, be, right, be, and it, and and like, yeah, and like the whole through line here is it's not just about her, you know, you know, it's not just 
you know, she's not just, you know, being melodramatic. You know, she has, like, genuinely serious PTSD. Yeah, and, yeah, again, like, yeah, part of it, a big part of it is that as much as the Major tried to help her and teach her, um, he was still expected to use her as a weapon. And so, in some ways, like, he was still kind of forced to let her be emotionally stunted. uh, Because otherwise, then, she might reflect on the damage she's doing. And, you know, like any, I think, reasonable person would be, like, kind of horrified by the lives that that she had to take. Um, And that kind of comes back to her in this episode where she kind of realizes what it meant to kill all those people. Uh, She kind of sees them now as people. Um, And then she knows how to contextualize that now that she has interacted with so many people. She kind of, she understands what a person is uh, and what taking a life means. Um, and that certainly doesn't help matters. Um, well, you know, the other thing that I that I liked is where Iris and Erica sat down and wrote Violet the letter. And then we come to find out it's the first letter she's ever received. Yeah, that one was very good. I also liked the Santa-looking guy who gives her letters to just distribute across town. Uh, I think that's Oliver. <laughs> Oliver, okay, yeah, I couldn't remember his name. I just like, I, oh, it's it's the like, it's, it's Santa. It's basically. I, I, I'd really like to think that he is Santa, and he just pops in and like modifies everyone's memory for a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah, That's he's just. Me. This is just what Santa does when it's not Christmas. <laughs> Work, works for me. Uh, this has got four more. Uh, there's supposed to be five more episodes. Five more. Oh, yeah, boy. I'm curious what they do because, like, I don't I'm know. Betting... I I'd be pretty okay if it just ended here. <laughs> like, I'm betting it's just gonna be uh, uh, like a throwaway sl- episodes, monster of the week style, a slice of life eps. Yeah, that that's what I would imagine. Uh, well, keep in mind that this is based on a light novel. Uh, so I suspect that they're probably going to adapt the next volume. Uh. I mean, they've pretty much laid down, yeah, we could we could kind of have maybe a couple of time skips as, as she moves along. I mean, because they've laid down a solid foundation for almost every character of any importance. Yeah. Also, the uh, the other delivery guy... Why is he wearing high heels? That seems like a very bad idea to do when you're out delivering things. Well, I guess Look, he's, he's got to be fashionable, Aaron. Well, it's Benedict Blue, so it's like, you know... Yeah, yeah I mean, like I, the characters point out that it's ridiculous. I think he's just vain. Yeah, they, that's the thing. It's like, like when they see like what he was like what he was wearing when he was when he sprained his ankle, like they call him on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's either that or that's what the shoe store had on sale in his size. Who knows? I mean, I had to chop yeah. the heels off, but yeah, that's me. I don't do heels. <laughs> it was just one of those, wait, wait yeah. why would you? Uh-huh. Like, you're out walking the entire day. Don't do that. 
It's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Aaron. I, I, I'm, uh, five. Yeah, yeah five, five easily. Okay. All right. Uh, it's time for... We're actually making good progress here. It's amazing. Uh, let's see. It's so, Kokoku? Yeah, sure. Let's do Kokoku episodes 5 and 6. You mean... Uh, Wait, no. Not 5 and 6. 9 and 10. Uh, <laughs> 9 yeah. and 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even though I haven't watched them, at least I can keep up with the list here. God, I hate her dad so much. Yeah. Yeah, he's like... He's I was, just the worst. And... I was kind of hoping he'd just get shanked by the villain. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and the thing is, is that, and actually, I think in, like, what what's actually good about the show is that the show, you know, doesn't try and make the dad out to be any kind of a good guy. Like, like the show knows that he's just a piece of garbage. I think my, yeah, I think my problem with it, though, is that whenever the dad starts doing his goofy stuff, I feel like the tone of the show shifts, like, really weirdly. Uh, it even, like, has the sort of goofy comedy music that we're used to in, you know, generic comedy anime. Like, it goes to the weird, like, goofy track that, you know, the whatever just generic... Uh, sort of a goofy soundtrack you can download for a nominal fee <laughs> to use in shows like this it, it's it always feels weird um when the dad starts doing stuff like that it feels like it, he belongs in a different show uh and i am shocked that like no one like noticed earlier that he was full of bullshit <laughs> because like it's super obvious that he's not the one controlling the monster but they all just buy it for a while eventually yeah. eventually he can't he can't keep it up yeah like it, it takes them it, ta it yeah it takes them until they're like staring directly at the kid as he's waving his arms about and it's like man surely you guys at least one of you is smart enough to have noticed this sooner. Uh, so that was kind of dumb, but I thought the rest of the episodes were kind of interesting. Like, the villain has a kind of... has a very different motivation than I'm used to seeing. Like, his goal is not to, like, conquer the world. He just wants to see the future. <clears throat> Right, yeah, he wants to, he wants to, you know, through, like, controlling, like, you know, through, like, through his control of time, he, he wants to basically, you know, sort of stop his own time, stop his own time so that he can, uh, you know, sort of, you know, skip into the future and experience, like, what the future holds for humanity. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's kind of cool, it's, it's actually... Actually, it reminds me of a. It reminds me of a. Uh, it reminds me of a, a, a book by uh, Werner Vinge called *Marooned in Real Time*, where, where like you know, where like the remnants of like there's this group of people that have this technology called bobbles, which allows them to you know basically stop, which allows them to you know 
stop time for themselves so that, you know, they can actually, like, see what happens in geologic time and millions of years in the future. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's some, uh, it was, it's an interesting, it's an interesting book. It's actually, that's actually the book where, uh, that's actually the book where Vinji, uh, uh, shows the, uh, shows, uh, actually, uh, that's where he introduces the idea of the technological singularity that everybody got obsessed, that everybody got obsessed over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, there are some things about Kokoku, like, I still enjoy, so... It's hard for me to really ever drop it entirely. Uh, but yeah, much like my issues with the father, there's just always like some little thing that feels off about it to me. Um, but I think and... what I like about it, what I what I love about this show is is at its core is jury. And jury is amazing. Jury is very good, yeah. Um, she she makes up for a lot of faults in the show. Um, you know, I I find myself forgiving the dumb segments with the father, uh, sort of the meandering it did in the middle, and even like the intense awkwardness and weirdly slow pace of the action sequences. Um. I just, yeah, I, I like Jury a lot, uh, and she's kind of what's keeping me watching the show, if I'm being perfectly honest. She is the best, she like is it, the best thing about the show. Yeah, if it wasn't for her, I would have dropped it long ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I guess we've only got two episodes to go now. Yeah. Uh, which, man, it feels weird the season's already basically over um but yeah i i i'm definitely interested to see how it ends um especially since episode 10 ended on a cliffhanger with because uh, they because they almost beat the main villain and then he like replenished his energy and then just ran away and they followed it, and Jury and her grandfather followed him, and he was like, "Look, I get it. Uh, I just, I just wanna, I just wanna do my thing here. I don't want to fight anymore. I will tell you, I will show you how you can, you know, learn how to eject yourselves from the from stasis, so you don't have to leave her trapped here. And then everybody can just get on their way." And it sort of ends with them going like, okay, is he lying, though? <laughs> right. And, well, it start at the, like, the end of the episode starts in on a flashback, you know, sh you know, showing, like, his background, uh, his background as, like, like, part of this cult. Oh, yeah. And I guess the next episode's gonna continue with that, uh... Yeah, he's basically explaining his backstory and motivations by way of his history with this cult and the awful thing that happened to him. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I yeah, I'm fascinated to see how this show ends. Um, I'll give both of these episodes fours, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna give them fours as well. Alright. Uh, so actually we're running out of stuff before card capture, so actually I guess we're on to Fate Extra Last Encore episodes five and six now. Yeah. Yay fate. Man, I love this show so much. <laughs> I, like, well, the thing, the thing about, like, okay, yeah, so episode five finishes up with, uh, with, uh, Robin Hood. Yeah, but before we talk about the finish to Robin Hood, uh, I want to point out that something happens in episode five that I thought they'd leave for a little later in the series, but episode five just straight up is like, yeah, this is a sequel to the original Fate Extra game, it just straight up, uh... Including, like, the master using Tamamo instead of uh, Nero. Yeah, what's interesting is that, so they had uh, Tamamo and uh, fighting here and fighting basically what what was in the game. Um, And then at the beginning of the... Complete with, like, the storyline about... uh, the master getting poisoned as well because i believe mm-hmm. that was part of the game storyline as well yep um and then but in the first episode when it shows nero battling uh the other thing it has the female master oh so okay. i don't know if they're doing you know like this has been repeated a thousand times type of thing i don't know i mean well, what was the one where they showed the female master? Was that when she was facing, like, the weird Buddha thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the opening I mean, that... to the very first episode. Yeah, I was going to say that could maybe be Extella, but Extella didn't have a giant Buddha. No. Unless there's something that happens after Extella, but before Last Encore that happened to the female, Lee, the female main character uh, that kicks I'll... things into... Hold on, let me let me type this out instead of saying it. Cause like, yeah, there's shit that goes down in Extella. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I well, I have no experience with the game, so yeah, this is all Greek to you. I, have, <laughs> I only recently played through. Extella. I have no idea what the uh, deal with that is. I just I just watched the show, and the show yeah was pretty good. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Like I. I also really like what they reveal about the the MC in this episode where like he's not just a ghost, he is like a amalgamation of ghosts. Like he is ghost sediment essentially that has gained sentience and a body. Right, which actually uh which neatly explains, like, why he's able to be up and about after he supposedly died. Yeah. Um, it also explains, like, why he doesn't really seem to have motivations of his own or much of, like, a personality because he is not one ghost, but, like, several or maybe even many ghosts. Um, so you have, like... And 
you have almost like a personalities mingling or, or perhaps like averaging out. Or uh, bad, or because because the thing about ghosts is that they're fundamentally incomplete in that like even like even not, putting oh, all right, even yeah. putting all their you know, all these ghosts together, he's still not a complete person. Yeah, so like the ghosts have lost that sort of essential like human motivation um they sort of just like do their thing uh yeah that would make sense too um i also really like the effect of him going ghost face yeah that was a cool that was a cool bit there yeah uh i also really dig how uh both how nero and the both how Nero gets around the poison, and also how uh, the master kind of tricks the sniper, because uh, they're both sort of about leading the uh, leading their opponent into assuming the wrong thing. Um, because with Nero, she intentionally induces significant blood loss just to expel the poison from her system uh and and sort of lets uh robin hood think that that poison is still on still in her uh and Ghostface uh in like creates a decoy to make uh the sniper think he is somewhere where he isn't and ricochets his own bullet off one of the bells Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I also like that he figures I also like that he does that because he figured out that the sniper was also doing that because the the shots only ring out when he can hear bells. It's uh I I really dug this episode and I also really enjoyed the part where um oh uh, uh Rin shows up at the end. <laughs> and they're like, wait, how'd you get here? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're asking a question, and then Rin comes in and answers it. And then they just turn, and it was like, wait, what? Yeah, that was, that was real good. <laughs> uh, which... Something uh, else that, that was, that I noticed that was real amusing. Uh, yeah. At the start, they had the countdown in uh, Negative Hours. Oh yeah, uh, that and then they referred to uh, it being not quite a century, but rather nine hundred ninety-nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I did the math on that. Those hours actually come out to nine hundred and ninety uh, years. Okay, so there's nine missing years then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. I don't know how that's significant, but I'm sure it will be at some point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but but it, it could be something. <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? There, there's uh, just too much. I'm surprised it, they killed Ronnie off, though. Yeah, I thought she was going to stick around a little while. Yeah. Um, especially, like, since he goes out of his way to save her. Mm-hmm. But, oh well. Uh, did you have anything else you want to say about episode five? Uh, nope. I thought it was a I thought it was a solid episode. 
Aaron? Uh, no. Okay. I, do, I do, like you said, I do love Nero's way of countering the poison. I'll just bleed out. Yeah. Screw it. I don't need all this blood. <laughs> it'll just make me, it'll just make me more red, and red is the best. Yeah, yeah, he'll never notice I'm bleeding with my red dress. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to, uh, episode six, which is Shaft does Madoka Magica, basically. Episode six is real good too. Yeah, I I love this visual effect uh, again because it, it's it feels very much uh, modeled after the visual design of um, the uh, sort of the I mentioned before, but like uh, the weird sort of storybook esque worlds that uh, they fight the witches in in Madoka Magica. Um, it's a really clever way of kind of doing nursery rhymes power. Yeah, I well, and this is where this is where like the lore about ghosts really, uh, really comes to the fore. It, it's a uh, you know this episode lays it all out. Yeah, it's also where this sort of gets confusing because uh, this is a pairing where. Both the master and the servant are named Alice, uh, and they're both have like the goth lolly design. So have have fun telling them apart. Uh, um, but yeah i I liked the I like that the servant um, in uh, in this is not like immediately hostile. Uh, and doesn't really seem to have much of a desire to go out of its way to kill anybody, um, I, which may partially be because of the whole ghost thing that's happening. Like the the master doesn't really know why they're there anymore, uh, and they kind of just want to hang out and have a friend. Uh, and so it's not necessarily about beating a master, but rather <clears throat> keeping the status quo so that the nursery world isn't destroyed. Or at least that's how it seems to be. Mm -hmm. The thing that I, I really, this whole episode was really good, but they also go full Monogatari when it just starts shooting out scissors. Oh yeah, where they meet uh, the monster. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just like scissors just fill the air. Um, <laughs> uh, and then all of the sort of like glitchy flashback slash forward uh, stuff was real cool, especially Rin's. And we found out what happened to uh, Shinji's girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. I like. Uh, I also like Rin's explanation for you know like why she's doing what she's doing like she'll she'll fight people but she wants to make sure that if she loses to someone that they have enough strength to actually make it to the top mm -hmm. otherwise she's not gonna bother Yeah, it's... which 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 is very much implying a sort of final battle between Rin and Ghostface, mm -hmm. 
Or de- I guess he's called Deadface, not Ghostface. I kind of like Ghostface, though. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, okay, so getting back to, like, the, yeah, with, with Hakuno's character, I think this, this show, at least so far, is a masterclass in how you, in, you know, how you make, like, a sort of personalityless, a, a, a personalityless video but, game character interesting to watch. Yeah, it's how you make a good Tabula Rasa character. Uh, because they, they make the fact that he doesn't have a personality of his own into a trait, like, that has consequences and is sort of part of the narrative uh and it makes him it makes him unreliable uh in terms of what he knows and even what he thinks he is uh and also lets the characters influence him um it it makes their interactions with him more meaningful because he's also trying to determine who he should be through how sort of they imply he should be reacting. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I like them interacting with this space as well. Like, they're not just sort of walking through it. They're kind of having fun with it. Like, at the beginning where uh, Rin and... Uh, Deadface are just sort of walking on the ground as normal, but Nero's like, I was gonna hop up to these like weird floating steps here, and that's how I'm gonna travel. <laughs> uh, I can't be bothered to walk on the ground like you peons. Well, yeah, and then then like and then like when they get to like the mushrooms, like Nero bends down and like pokes one. It's and then starts picking them and eating them. It's, yeah, it's actually because why Nero. That's... Because, yeah, Nero, that's a great idea. Just eat strange mushrooms. It's it's very Monogatari-esque in the way, in the way you know, with most of what they're doing is they're just talking, and they're just, like, you know, explaining the lore, explaining the lore uh, to each other. But, you know, but, like, the visual, like, you know, but, like, the sort of, like, business that's going on, like, while they're talking... Is sort is fun to watch. Yeah, like they're just sort of walking through like this weird, uh, like fanciful but also vaguely creepy dream space. Uh, I also like how one of the places they walk through, there's just drawers randomly like copy and pasted onto the background, and then when he meets uh, Alice, the master, yeah. Uh, I think the master is the pink-haired one. Um, like, they... Uh, she actually, like, goes up a tree that is... that has a bunch of those drawers on it and, like, interacts with the drawers. So it's like, oh, okay, those are those are real things in that space. They're not just there to look weird. Uh, I also super enjoyed the visual design... Um, of this one segment where during the hide and seek where it's this forest uh, but instead of like like attached to the branches of the trees are medical IVs which isn't immediately obvious why it's like that uh, but 
I'm assuming that Last Encore is going to, you know, go a little deeper into Alice the Master's backstory because they keep it kind of vague in this one. But yeah, I, I like how they incorporate her backstory into the design of the trees. Um, I. Yeah, and also they like yeah this this episode is almost pure exposition, but it's a lot of fun, uh, and it's they keep it visually exciting, um, and the exposition itself also reveals interesting stuff about the world and about the characters. Yeah, I'm uh, in 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 this respect, it like. Like the like what they do with the backgrounds while they're like you know expositing to each other, actually is uh, actually does is actually better than Monogatari in many respects because in Monogatari like you know it's just like these like <clears throat> like there's really no explanation for why these backgrounds are so like unrealistic in Monogatari. It's like it's just you know. <laughs> they like just like like the uh, the place like the like the places where all the where the, you know, where the characters are talking to each other are, are talking to each other just like violates like all principles of time and space and all that for no real yeah. reason other than I guess it looked cool. Uh, but in this, yeah. there's a logic behind this in that like you know they're doing the like. I mean, yes, they can violate all the principles of time and space because they're in virtual reality. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a good central conceit to it that lets them do weird stuff like this. Um, so yeah, I we're getting almost to five, uh, almost to Ben uh, having to go here. Okay, so. alright, so I think we can, yeah, we can get... So I'm going to give these episodes fours. Yes, I'm gonna give both of them fives. All right, Same. I think I think I have just enough time to talk a little bit about Card Captor Sakura. Okay, cool. That's good because Emily just got ready, so I'm letting her know that she can come in. And then I will get to do a clap with Emily to sync up her track. <laughs> okay, three, two. One. All right. Hi, Emily. Hi. Thanks. So, <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to the party. So we're yeah. we uh, we reversed our tip. I guess we're reversing our typical show order this time. We somehow blazed through the, everything else in like less than an hour, uh, which is amazing. I've never done that before. So let's go ahead and quickly <clears throat> talk about Card Captor Sakura Clear Card. Episodes seven through ten, which is a lot of episodes to cover. Um, yeah, thankfully, not a whole lot happens in seven and eight, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, what was eight again? Eight is uh seven. They go to Tomio's house to test out record, and she gets the power of flight. Yeah, uh, which was a really which not a lot happened, but it was. It was cool when she used uh, gravitation to like jump from surface to surface. It was very, uh, it was very unique. Uh, I did not think of that use for that power, and it's very interesting. And then she got yeah. flight, which is like a big ribbon, and 
a lot of these cards are like I guess I said before too are just like rehashes of old cards because she had fly before and it gave her wings but now it gives her this cute ribbon that lets her fly off and it's better I like that more but yeah <laughs> my only my only problem is fight flight is that if you have and this is like so, something that comes into effect in uh I can't I think it might be episode nine but like she uses gravitation but then she just uses flight and flight is just better. Than yeah. moving around via gravitation, so it's like, yeah. why even use gravitation? Well, gravi- yeah, the thing no. about gravitation is it affects other things, too, besides herself. Oh, right, true. yeah, that's true. I think she uses it to, like, put on Caro to somehow, like... I don't, I'm not even sure how it helps her, to be honest, in that episode, but anyways, that's episode 10, so it'll... Oh, I... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, trying to remember what the heck happened in episode 8. Was it the like, one... I'm, I'm, I'm Weird. skimming through it, and I, I still can't figure out why it was. Is that the one where um, uh, she was she goes over to Akihiko's house? That's her name, right? Akiho. Oh, Akiho-chan. Akiko's... I was playing Persona 3. Akiho, yeah. Akiho, yeah. yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Akiho-chan, uh, he goes, she goes to her house, which is Ariel's house from the first series, uh, which in the movie was demolished, so that's weird. <laughs> Because the movie's the second movie's supposed to be canon, but the house is there, so I guess it didn't get oh. demolished. Like, sure. And they even references the because the in in another episode where she's showing her pictures of her in a play, that play was in the movie, the same movie where the house gets demolished. So that movie's canon, but not. It's weird. Um, so yeah, she goes over there and she gets like the lucid card, and yeah, not a lot happens. Yeah. We, we meet her butler. And, yeah, uh, she gets the lucid card by just like tapping her staff on some books that are there that that don't look like they're there but are there. Listen, some, some like, of the cards are easier to get than others. <laughs> it's, it's maybe it's it's even more boring than the time she saw glowing eyes and got the record card. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but there's a lot of cute stuff where she hangs out with uh, this girl and she she makes a date with with shower on and it's the most adorable thing because they're already dating but she's like super nervous to ask him to go out and he's like well if you want to go with if, if, if you're fine with me that's fine she's like oh if you're fine with me and it's like you guys are already dating like why why are you so formal but it's it's adorable and good and um yeah she goes to this thing and meets the butler and the butler she like akiko's got a crush on her butler which is kind of like it's you know childhood crushes yeah. whatever it as yeah, long as it doesn't go more, any further more than card that. captor Sakura romance. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not great, <laughs> but hopefully it doesn't get worse. Um, and he seems like a chill dude. He's got a weird name. He's got a D in it. My girlfriend made a joke about how he inherited the will of D. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, his name is Kaito. It's Yuna D Kaito is his name. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I think. But everybody just calls yeah, him Kaito. Yeah, yeah. Um, not much else happens that episode, though. I don't think she. Oh, she sees a yeah, book like... that 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 Akiho has called Alice in Clockland, which apparently has nothing to do with Alice in Wonderland, and it's written in a weird magic language that Akiho can read for some reason, and it it has the same clock symbols on it as her dreams. So clearly, something's going on with the clock. Like I, I think Akiho is here to get the cloud book. She's, she's looking for a specific book. I think it's a cloud book, but she doesn't realize that 
Sakura is the card captor and Sakura doesn't realize that she's magic or maybe she doesn't even know why she's trying to get the cloud book, but something's happening there. Because she keeps mentioning this book that she came to Japan to get. And I'm yeah. trying to think of like a book you would have to go to Japan to get is like, you know, without just ordering it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then nine is her date with Sharon, which is again adorable. <laughs> yeah, nine nine actually was was pretty good. Like I I felt like seven and eight were especially eight. Like I barely even remember what happened in eight. Yeah, uh, they were kind of non entity episodes for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nine was actually pretty good. Um, partly because you got the great beginning scene with um, is it Ua? Yeah. Yeah, Yue and uh, Karo and Sakura on, like, a three-way, like, phone FaceTime call, basically. Yeah, like, they're on Skype with, like, webcams, and Karo's trying to look at the cards closer, looking at the screen, and Yue's like, they're, she's, they're right there! Just go look at yeah. them! And he's like, it's not, it's, it'll bring some realism! It's ridiculous and good. Uh-uh. Yeah. And then he turns into Cerberus, and then Yue hangs up. <laughs> yeah, because he goes, he goes. Oh, I'm not able to talk to Spinny at all. Hey, hey, uh, Yue, do you want to play some online games for me? And Yue just hangs up immediately, and then and then it gets this great shot of like Caro having this like heavily detailed like JoJo esque vo- face, and it's very good because <laughs> he's so shocked. No and then, yeah, one, they... no one wants to play games with Caro. <laughs> and yeah, they they go to the the aquarium for their date, which is also the first. Uh, quote-unquote date she had with Yukito was going to the same aquarium and they mentioned a lot in the episode that they've been there before and they captured a card there before um and like the exact same thing happens where like the aquarium like breaks and floods the eating area so this is the second time that aquarium has exploded (laughs) yeah the exact aquarium that exact one uh, so you think at this point they'd be like well you know maybe we shouldn't have that aquarium like at the dinner tables (laughs) (laughs) yeah or like maybe reinforce it a bit yeah i think my my boyfriend was like this place is getting sued now like happening once is like "Mm, happening twice is uh, a little bit much (laughs) yeah um and they reference it a lot, and she wears like the same, a very similar costume, if not the same, that she caught the uh, watery card in. And uh, finally, Shamron is catching a card with her, and he displays. Oh, he displays that a new ability in Seven too, where he like he can now summon his sword out of nothing, which in the original series he had to have like the little like um, ball and string at the end of it. He had to use that to summon the complete sword, but in this, it he can just out of nowhere summon his sword he has, he has like the that's full metal alchemist thing and brings it pretty out handy. Well, uh, it's cool yeah uh, there was yeah i think he also uh in order to like uh like use it use like use like ice magic with the sword he i think he uh used a talisman looked like he used a talisman of some sort oh yeah he he always uses um these paper talismans to summon the god of thunder or the god of wind or now the god of ice and this is the first time he's ever used ice magic in the series because before he's used fire, air, and lightning, but he's never used ice before. So, like, when they're like, oh, he can freeze it, we're like, oh my god, he has ice powers now. Like, again, like, if you haven't watched the series, it's, like, not that big of a deal, but it's, like, kind of cool that he's getting new abilities. Um, and it's the spiral car, which has nothing to do with water. And I pointed out earlier in the episode that, like, well, she already has aqua, so what is this going to be? And, yeah, it's not. It's just... I don't think I don't think she even uses it in the next episode. It's just like 
We don't really know what We're it does. We're not really yet. sure what it does. Like it might be able to grab people because that's what yeah, it did it, to her. Yeah, it seems like a death slinky. Yeah, honestly. Also, when her foot was grabbed, she she says like it's exactly the same thing. It's yeah, because watery before used water to grab someone's ankle. Like it was the same thing. Uh, so, great. So now we're just now we're just repeating stuff that yeah. happened in the first series. A little bit, yeah. Um, that's uh, I was well. I, again, I watched this. I watched th- these episodes. I usually watch them with my girlfriend, but this time Michael, my boyfriend, joined me too, and he was like, "This show's pretty cool and everything," but I will say a negative against it. It keeps referencing the first series, so it's yeah, kind of hard it, to follow if you haven't watched the first one. Yeah, it does feel a little too a little too heavily reliant on callbacks. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a fan, I love it, but like, I totally get that. I'm. Too. That's the thing is that you know I like I read the manga like years ago. Never watched the anime. I can sort of follow what's going on. I I mean I miss some of the references to the first series, uh, but it's not a huge hit on my enjoyment. I mostly enjoy the show. But mainly because of the fluffy slice of life stuff, because the characters are just the characters are just fun to watch. Uh, Yeah, uh, and it's really bright and cheerful and just pleasant and uh, it's good. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, because like the you know like the whole thing of it, like the the bits where she captures the cards are really the least compelling part of the show. I mean, what's 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 most entertaining about this show? Is just the bits where they're hanging around and like bouncing off each other in fun ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like again. What the highlight of this was the date. Like I loved it. I loved the date. Like I mean, it was a pretty good action scene too. But like I liked seeing Sakura and Sharon having a date. I liked the part where they meet the two um, English-speaking tourists, and like Sharon displays that he can speak English. It's really cute. And they're like, "Oh, what a cute couple!" And Sharon blushes, but Sakura doesn't know what's going on because she can't yeah. speak English. Yeah, Sakura doesn't get it. It's so cute. And then, like, and then when Sharon's about to ask her out, when there are, like, I don't understand, like, why, like, they're on a date, they're dating, and he's he's blushing so, so hard like, to ask her well, out. Yeah, it's like, will you go out with me? It's like, dude, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? They're, okay, I, they're middle schoolers, which means that. They have no clue how to do how to how to navigate. I know. Things. I mean, on the one hand, I it's... get it, but on the other hand, they already explicitly called this a date. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I get it, and and I but I, it also is really adorable though them just being like so pure and like they they don't even hold hands on this date. Like he touches her shoulder to get a petal off of it, and they're both blushing like mad. It's it's very cute and innocent and pure, and um, yeah, they they. Yeah, to finish off that episode, they catch the spiral car, and that's pretty much it. I will say that we talked about that how the actions aren't good. I'll say there's a really good action set piece in ten. Like, I really like the the, yeah. the capture of the card in ten. Well, yeah, because um, yeah, there she actually she uses the uh, she uses the gravity she uses the gravity card really cleverly. Yeah, and she's able to like skate on surfaces that aren't like you know normally skatable on and she grinds on something it's fucking sonic adventure yeah. it's, I, I like i like the return of the rollerblades because i missed those those are good yeah. um when she put those on i was like this using rollerblades in a, in a like weird mc like mc escher labyrinth seems like a poor decision <laughs> yeah but she nails it <laughs> um but yeah to go back a little bit this episode mm-hmm. is about uh another date that she has with akiha this time and it's absolutely a date because they're absolutely flirting 
Like that's that's what's happening in this episode. <laughs> I, I, one of the things I do find funny about uh, Clear Card is that if you read most of the episode summaries, you wouldn't even realize that it was a magical girl show. Yeah, it's like the description of episode ten is Akiho plays a visit pays a visit to Sakura's house one evening while her father and brother are both away. They look at Sakura's elementary school f- pictures and have dinner together, but then Akiho suddenly falls asleep. Like, yeah. Like, That's a pretty good summary. <laughs> in, in, in the show, like in the show, she falls asleep because of card magic. But if you didn't realize this is a, this was like a magical girl show, you could just read that and be like, "Oh, I guess Akiho has narcolepsy." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of cute scenes of the the two of them interacting and being like, you know, very good gal pals. And um, she also brags about Tomio's outfits, which I thought was really cute. And uh, they look through the, again, the photo album that has pictures of the, the second movie in it, which is canon, but not canon at the same time. Which... I, I appreciate that Sakura is so enthusiastic about the op- the outfits Tomoyo has made for her that she forgets that she's going to need to come up with the explanation for why Tomoyo has made so outfits for her. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so good. <laughs> and, um... She's like, uh, I use these in place. Yeah, let's go with that. Anyway, so... Yeah. You have to I go. have to get a move on. So anyway, okay. I'm gonna give these episodes fours. All right, sounds good. See you later, okay. Ben. Right. Bye. Sorry it was so late. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah. So I guess I. Why well, I think like a um, but so this the the cards she gets this episode are snooze, and labyrinth. Yeah. And I just want to mention that she had there's two cloud cards called Sleep and Maze. Oh come on! <laughs> that are exactly the same thing. Oh come on! Like they're exactly the same cards. Like it's a little bit like clear come, card. Come on, you guys! Like I, I, it's weird. I don't know if like the 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 card the cloud cards reincarnated as the as the clear cards but like again there's a lot of differences to the clear cards and the card the cloud, the cloud cards and that like almost all, a great deal of the cloud cards are humanoid like uh people but while um the clear cards are all like abstract, abstract. objects or yeah. like creatures or something um so i don't really know exactly what's going on and yeah or even little... if that's significant <laughs> We do get a little bit of, we see Ariel again, and we see that the two um, other guardians, like Yue and Kerberos' uh, uh, opposites, are like, they want to really go to Japan to help, but Ariel's saying they can't for some reason, and he's not contacting her, and Sharon still haven't, we still don't know what's going on with that. Um, and we get a little bit, uh, like, I don't know if, if they're trying to uh, like allude to anything with her butler, but... There was kind of some things where he was kind of framed a little bit, like, like, I don't know, um, not like evilly, but like something's going on there. But Significantly. We don't really know. Yeah, yeah. And there's a big blood red moon at the end, and we don't really know what the 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 uh, uh, significance of that is yet. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, go on. Oh, sorry. I I didn't have a larger point. I was just saying, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to like come up with something to say too. So that's okay. why I was like, "Yeah, good, yeah. Dustin, you got something to say? Great." <laughs> nope, I, I've got nothing. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, 
I'm probably like a little less enthusiastic about enthusiastic about card capture Sakura. Like I still like it, um, but I, I tend to enjoy it more where there is a good balance between the slice slice of life stuff and the actual capturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, also probably doesn't help that I find some of the slice of life stuff a little bit samey. Um, sure. Like there will often be like you know slightly different scenarios, but ultimately they're talking about very very similar things. Sure. Um, uh, whereas like I, I did appreciate episodes nine and ten because those were very different scenarios for Sakura. Like one of them was again like a date with Shaoran. Sakura doesn't typically you know go on dates with people uh, in this show, and episode ten was her sort of like. Um, a little bit out of her element because like she's interacting with uh, a new person like all on her own and like it's someone she wants to reveal stuff to but also has to try and figure out like how to not reveal too much to mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so it's it's a generally a different dynamic than the show has when she's just sort of hanging out with her friends mm-hmm. and like going oishi about food um <laughs> Oishi, yeah, it's cute. Um, uh, I also like the like that. Just remind me of the part where she like kind of makes this like weird sound because it's so delicious, and then she gets embarrassed about it and caught. It's yeah. <sighs> so uh, I I I gen- I'd probably give like episodes seven and eight threes uh, because they just didn't really leave much of an impression on me, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd give. I'd probably give nine a five and ten a four. Yeah, I think I'd give three point fives to the first two episodes, um, but I would like rank the other two higher. Like I, I, I really liked uh, nine, so I, I also think I would give it a five. Um, and the thing about nine and ten is they do have a much better balance as well with like the capturing and the and the and the slice of life stuff because the captures are interesting, like. In nine, she has to like run away from the spiral thing, and then Sharon's able to help her finally. Yeah, and he really wants to help her, um, and they capture it together, which is like it's a cool thing to see again. And in ten, she does like sweet like stunts using gravitation, flight, and um, her her rollerblades on yeah. this like really interesting action set piece. Although the cards are rehashes of old cars, which is kind of disappointing, but also like, yeah, whatever. Um, so I would give, yeah, I'd give nine a five and I'd probably give, again, I like it a little bit more. So I would say if like, I think I would actually give a five to 10 too, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess that's it for card capture Sakura. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we got through four episodes in a little less than 20 minutes. Good job. Well, it helped that seven and eight were, like, kind of bland. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there wasn't really any, a whole lot to talk about with uh, Mm -hmm. seven and eight. Um, But, yeah, uh, thank you very much, Emily. And you'll you'll actually be, uh, you actually can join us for the send-off here. Um, Oh, boy. I might, we we haven't done, I'm trying to decide whether I want to do listener questions with you here or with Ben here. I can't decide. Well, I will uh, say that I haven't watched most of the shows you guys are watching, so true. probably Ben. Yeah, so we should we should actually probably just schedule like uh, a quick 
second part where we just do listener questions because we've had those piling up because do you have uh, any questions specific to clear card i i don't know Uh, um i I actually think we might have some there was a discussion of clear card in um, uh, yeah so fun thing about our comment section recently uh new comments were not appearing because the comment like system broke yeah, boy, that's that that's that that's a generous explanation. Cause mm-hmm. discuss sucks. Um, yeah, well now it's become the prime, so it's like yeah. Let's see. Let me, let me see if there's anything about uh, card capture Sakura here. That's all right. My browser's deciding to crash because it's having a wonderful day. It doesn't know what else to do. All right, let's see here. I thought there was. Is it in the latest? Okay, here we go. Yeah, here. Yeah, Dayriff has a rant about card capture Sakura. So gird yourself. Uh, (laughs) No, he's fine. Uh, Is it just me, or is card capture Sakura clear card kind of hollow? Where. I get. I see what you did there. Uh, We're nine episodes in, and I must be enjoying something. And I must be enjoying something about the character interactions because I'm still watching. But what's the point? What does this series have to say, or what story does it have to tell? Sakura and the audience are still completely clueless about why anything is happening. Strange forces appear, and Sakura binds them into a card, repeat again and again. Sakura keeps asking her allies if they know what's going on. They tell her they don't, and that's it. There is no conflict that's emotionally important to any of the characters, and nobody wants anything that they don't currently have. Even the fact that Sakura's original cards are blank... Wasn't there an entire arc in the original series where she had to transform them into Sakura cards in order to sustain them? And that was really important to her because she viewed them as independent beings and didn't want them to die? She sure doesn't seem very worried now. And no one give me any, well, what can she do? The writers could find anything for Sakura to do if they wanted to let her be proactive and investigate and try to resolve the issue instead of passively waiting for someone to explain the problems to her. I mean, compare this to uh, your average season of Precure. Nine episodes in, and the stakes of the conflict would be firmly established. We would know who the bad guys are, know at least the first stage of their plan, and understand what they want to do. The lead characters would have had would have had numerous conflicts that pushed them to grow and change as individuals, in addition to the magical girl stuff. But in Cardcaptor Sakura, Sakura never grows or changes or learns anything. None of the, none of the characters do. Tomayo never has some arc where she goes too far in putting Sakura's needs over her own. Sakura really realizes it. They have an emotional conversation about Tomoyo has to take care of herself, and Tomoyo grows and changes and matures. That's just an example I made up, but that shit doesn't happen in Clear Card. Uh, what is the point of this show? None of what they said is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will say that Cardcaptor Sakura is kind of always had a little bit of like sakura not being proactive like she like the thing about kakata sakura and and like caro like in this series caro doesn't know anything about the cards but in the last one he knew every single little detail about them so it was like she just got told how to take care of the cards and she got told what her mission is and she did them because she had to like they're not wrong in that sakura is like again she's kind of a mary sue i still love her but she is kind of that like she doesn't have. She doesn't really grow or change in the first series either. Um, yeah. Uh, so you're not wrong. Like all of that is valid criticisms. Um, but that's just kind of. Uh, yeah. If, 
it's yeah. kind of just what it is. Like, it's kind of what card characters like. And you're not wrong in that. Like, like I, and that, and that storyline that they described would be cool. Because I would like to see some, like, more emotional depth with these characters. I really like these characters. Um, it'd be interesting to have Tomio have a little bit of conflict. Like, the thing with Tomio loving Sakura and um, is, is she's able to just, like, um, there was no conflict there where she, like, she's in love with Sakura, but Shaoran's with Sakura and she knows it's, that they'd be better together. She just does it. She's just cool with it because everyone's perfect in this series. Yeah. Um, like there's no there's no conflict there, and that and while I I kind of I kind of find it a little bit heartwarming that she's able to just be like I love this person and I'm going to support them and and do whatever it takes to make them happy even if that means there was someone else, they'd be also cool to explore that. Yeah, and like the weird thing about Card Captor Sakura is that and like Dave points this out at the very start is that you know he like he's enjoying it. Uh, because of the like probably because of the character interactions and like uh, we even explicitly pointed that out when we were talking about these episodes is that in in a lot of these episodes the reason why you watch is for the characters interacting with each other Um, but you know and and for a lot of card capture Sakura that is sort of the pull behind it uh, which is certainly not an excuse uh, Mm -hmm. because I you know I'm certainly uh, you know, a, a, a little more down on this show uh, than I think you or Ben are for kind of those very reasons is because, yeah. like, I I do kind of expect more uh, from the shows I watch uh, to sort of have a point or a message behind them or, like, to have some sort of uh, conflicts or character growth. Um substance yeah yeah like sort of anything for me to grasp onto and say like okay here is why this show exists here's why it needed to be made um and card capture sakura like even though it's enjoyable uh even though you know i like the characters and like seeing them interact with each other and i i like seeing the captures it often does not have that sense of purpose to it and that's why even though i will i think always like card captor sakura i will never love card captor sakura that's fair yeah absolutely um Um, i have nothing to rebuff that besides the fact that i do love the show but i mean i don't know i just do i mean it it didn't hurt that i watched started watching as a kid and kind of got attached to it then but uh i mean yeah like i watched it with my girlfriend who never seen it before and she really liked it so um but yeah, no, I I think that everything you said is totally legit. So. Yeah, I, I I think like there, I think there there are certain like like scenarios if like if 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 what you're looking for is a show where things just work out and everything's fine just all the time, uh, like there are brief moments of tension, yeah. but otherwise like no nah, everything's good, like Card Chapter Sakura is definitely a show that will appeal to that if if that is what mm-hmm. you are looking for. Yeah. Um, which there is definitely room in this world for shows like that. Uh, there you go. That's its purpose, just to be like. Pleasant. I mean, gosh, <laughs> I I really like Flying Witch, and that's essentially what Flying Witch is. Like, there's not really much conflict in Flying Witch. Everyone is just kind of is just basically fine. There's a little bit of character growth, but not a whole lot. Uh, and everyone just kind of hangs out together and has good times. Um, <laughs> I, 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 sorry. I, I think I think I'm a little more 
uh, friendly toward Flying Witch because I liked the character types there, and I, I thought it was just in general a little more of a, a had better humor or humor that worked better for me uh, than Cardcaptor Sakura does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the Flying Witch, I think is sort of the closest analogy to the type of show that Cardcaptor Sakura is. Yeah. I I will I will say that the commenter did bring up again that the the cards before were like sentient beings with personalities and stuff and she tried so hard to save them and now they're just kind of gone. I really do hope we resolve that with them getting them back just because again they if they were just powers whatever, she lost her powers, but they are like yeah. characters with with personalities like the mirror card is in love with Toya, her, her brother. Wait, and, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she has this whole story where, like, she, she, cause she, when he, when she captures the mirror card, the mirror card's pretending to be her, and Toya knows it's not her, but he goes to help her anyways because he's like, oh, well, I've helped a bunch of ghosts before. I'm going to help her because she needs help. And I'm just going to, like, let her kind of, quote unquote, fool me into thinking that she's Sakura. And she, he gets she he she gets him like really hurt, and he's just kind of like, just shows concern for her and trying to help her, and she gets very moved by that. And uh, I, uh, he hangs out with um he was supposed to hang out with Sakura shopping for their dad to get uh, a Christmas present in a later episode after she's caught the mirror card, but she can't do it because she has to do something else. So she gets the mirror card to go with Toya, and he kind of is just like. Oh hey, it's you again. Let's just hang out and do the thing we have to do. And he just hangs out with her, knowing that she's the mirror card. And he buys her uh, a green ribbon that is forever on the art of the card. After that, wow, that makes it. I didn't know that, and that may and that makes Dayra's point about like you'd think that Sakura would have a much more bleak reaction to the cards being destroyed and it's yeah. like yeah yeah no kidding <laughs> <laughs> not all of them get the same story that mira does i'd say the only one even close to that would be dash but still there's they have the capacity for those kind of yeah. relationships and feelings like, but still even just for mirror like you'd think that there'd be a little mm-hmm. more grief and work concern about what happened mm-hmm. yeah man that's huh I will say that Sakura did not know that Mir and Toya had this kind of relationship. Oh, okay. But she just figured that Toya didn't know about her magic shit. And she still tries to hide it from him, which, again, still annoys me because, like, whatever. He knows. He's dating Yue and, like, like Yukito, who is Yue, and she knows that he turns into Yue, like, whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to BakaCast. Wait, why am I saying that? I don't that? know. Force I have uh, it. All right. Now on to listener questions. I'm very tired. It was a long day at work. Uh, we're going to get these listener questions done real quick because uh, my internet connection is highly unstable right now and I'm not sure how long it'll last. So we're going to blaze through some of the listener questions from... Dayriff that we did not realize we had because Discuss decided just not to tell us that we had any comments for a few of our posts here. So, because uh, Discuss is a wonderful program that never has any yeah, problems. Discuss is discussing. Oops. Alright, so starting with the comment from the BakaCast bonus episode for the Fall 2017 Leftovers, uh, Dayriff says, um, 
happen to be a podcast to listen to, so I listened to this one. You just this one just after you put it up. I have a few a few comments on March comes in like a lion. One theme from the first season I think you skipped over is Ray not even being sure he likes Ro- Shogi. Like many things in the show, he never comes right out and says it, but I think he feels like Shogi is the only way to win the approval of his adopted father. So that's what he studied. That leaves him wondering if he ever would have cared about it. Did I just die? Try to. Can you not hear me anymore? You, 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 you lost two-thirds of... Well, you're saying it because you're recording it, but we're, we're only hearing about a third of what you're saying. Okay, well, you, you can see the question, yeah. so it'll work out. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, but he, I think he feels like Shogi was the only way to win the approval of his adopted father, so that's what he studied. That leaves him wondering if he ever would have cared about it that much if it weren't the only way, as he sees it, to earn his adopted father's love. Eventually, over the first season, he gets over that, and I really appreciate the one scene with his, with his adopted mother, where he comes home for a visit and tells him, and she tells him outright, of course you're my son, and you're always welcome home, suggesting that maybe the issue was in his head more than in reality. Maybe he was only ever putting the pressure on himself. Uh, do you, I, I haven't watched March Comes In like a, lot, like a Lion yet, but do you two kind of agree with that yes. assessment? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a... Uh... That was a very good point that uh, that he made there, uh, right? Because yeah, because that's one of uh, Ray's like defining character traits is that he overthinks everything to a extremely. fault. Extremely. All right. So uh, moving on to the second comment. Uh, tied in with that, the interesting thing about high school is that Ray could quit any time. As a professional shogi player, he has an adult income at what is a full-time job. He doesn't actually need a high school degree. He only continues to go because he feels like he'd regret it if he quit. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and continue on with the third one, and then you can comment on both of these together. Uh, finally, I want to correct you on the parents of the Kawamoto sisters. Their mother is dead. They never said their father was, and in fact he isn't. He walked out on them, voluntarily, to go start a new family with another woman. I think they mentioned that in the anime, but maybe I'm misremembering. It becomes a thing in the manga eventually. I think it'll add a lot to Akari's characterization when you know that's the lens she views men through. Uh, yeah, I don't recall that ever coming up in the anime. No, or we would have brought uh, it up. Seems like it a a pretty critical thing to for the anime to not to mention. <laughs> well, there's re- well, yeah. So far, at least, uh, the anime hasn't focused on Akari that much. She's just been, you know, she's mostly been quietly supportive. Yeah, as kind of like, you know, a source of a source of strength for. Both the you know the the other sisters and for Ray. Yeah, they I guess her most was the uh, Hina arc where the abuse where the uh, verbal abuse was going on, and then there was that part where we showed her going to work at her what was it her aunt's. Yeah, her aunt's place where she's the receptionist or lady hostess at night. Yeah, they, that's about the only two things we've seen concerning Ray or uh, Akari. Ugh. I'm having one of those days. <clears throat> but yeah, but yeah, I think that that whole thing is right. 
because, you know, Akari sort of sees herself as kind of a parental figure. You know, we're like, yeah, in the Hina arc, you know, she comes in, she's the one who comes in for the parent-teacher con, parent-teacher conferences. Well, and we, you and I agreed that sending Grandpa would have been the wrong thing to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, grand, Grandpa going would have, uh, he did, he'd have put the school on its ear and shook violently, and yeah, it would have been, it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. As for the other question, uh, one of the, one interesting bit, uh, like, one interesting bit uh, about, you know, Ray being a, a professional who doesn't actually have to go to high school is the, uh, his, like, his teacher points out that, uh, that Ray actually makes more than the teacher. Yeah. From, from Shogi. The teacher's sort of resentful about it. He'll get over it. I think, I think, like, uh, Dusty was saying, I think to miss the experience... Yeah, to miss the experience of high school, I think is the only reason that uh, that Ray's going. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah, he, I, I get the sense it's not about the material in high school because, you know, he pretty much knows all that stuff anyway because he's really smart. Uh, it's more the social relationships that he would miss, like even the teacher who's you know, who's got like a back and forth going with him but he respects the teacher he respects the teacher for his wisdom and his advice uh and also the yeah also there there's a subplot where he sort of tries to get a where he sort of gets a shogi club going but there's not enough people so it sort of merges with a science club shogi science and then they get all upset because they're graduating (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I I think we done covered most of that, don't you? Yeah. All right. Anyway, so, good yeah. comment. Good comment, Darif. All right, awesome. And you talked long enough that it covered up the fact that uh, my internet completely cut out for about yeah, half. Yeah, I was there, watching. So. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been watching you flicker, flicker. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, Darif's comment from Bakcast number three fifty four. Uh, so on Violet Evergarden, how many episodes did it take for you to realize that Violet isn't a robot or a construct or grown in a vat or any sort of artificial human? As near as I can tell, she's just a regular human being who is supremely talented but kind of messed up. No one in the show ever acts like she's anything else. Uh, uh, I, Yeah, I went into that with that impression, and it took me until, I think it was like, what, episode 7 or 8, the like the first the first flashback scene with her uh in the military before i was like oh okay she's she's not a robot at all she's just like a normal person yeah, well, aaron still thinks she's a robot <laughs> robot but that's you know aaron and 20 no aaron and uh, 75 I, cents and you can get a cup of coffee i still think aaron's a prototype robot <laughs> <laughs> works for me uh, <laughs> Yeah. No, the the land. The... Uh, no, I think I I think I got it. I think I figured it out earlier, but but yeah, like the like because I think the the real source of the confusion is well, yeah. For one thing, she's got those automail arms, uh, uh-huh. and for another thing, for another thing, it's the way she's uh, is the way that is her job title as you know auto memories doll sort of sounds machine like 
even though all the dolls are actually just regular humans who, who just have a weird job title. Yeah, I could work on that. Yeah, because you were because I remember like in the, after like the in the fir- when we were talking about the first episode, you were sort of confused. Uh, you you kept you were thinking that all the dolls were robots. Well, yeah. It, Which the, the thing is, is as emotionless or emotionless as Violet is, she kind of seemed like an automaton that needed to be programmed. But uh, it didn't take me long to figure out that there that she's a real person. And, and of yeah. course, introducing Violet and, or Iris and, and the rest of those is like, oh, yeah, they're human. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, an interesting thing, I've been reading, uh, I've been reading the reviews of Violet Evergarden on ANN. Uh, and from a guy, and they're, they're being reviewed by a guy who's actually read the novels. Oh, and nice novel. Yeah, interestingly enough, like, there's like four episodes that were completely anime original. Okay. Again, it it doesn't surprise me because anime original seems to be something that's becoming more the vogue, which, as long as you can't tell that it's anime original, it's fine, but there's some anime original original that you... um, Take one look at it and go, oh, wait a minute, where'd you guys think of this at? Yeah. Yeah, the anime original content was episodes two through five. By the way. Okay. Like, all those those early episodes, yeah. Yeah, those weren't in the books, from what I, uh, from what what the review said. Okay. That sounds like fun. Alright, so next let's move on to Dara's comment from a podcast episode 356 uh, where he says uh, since I brought it up got, since it got brought up again I want to address the how did the bad guys know when to cluster around the stone to get into the time stop discussion about Kokoku. Remember that, remember that in episode 1 this whole thing got started with a kidnapping? That was the point of the kidnapping. They kidnapped the grandkid, knowing the family would resort to their time stop power to rescue him, and they were watching through the cameras to make sure. They didn't have to guess when to get everyone around the secondary stone. They knew it would happen within minutes of making the ransom call, which is a good point, I guess, actually. And you made today's taping, Dave Ruff. Uh, okay? Okay. Yeah. Uh, actual questions. So Mother's Basement recently did a YouTube video about live-action anime adaptations. What anime would you most like to see adapted to a live-action movie or television series, either because you think a live-action adaptation would work well, or just because you'd really love to see it? Uh, Kizu Monogatari. Yeah, who's playing Shinobu? Uh, just saying. Um... I've always liked to see one of the space series, Crest of the Stars or Yamato or something like that taken. Now, Yamato's been taken live action, so. But. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, okay. 
see, so think about live. So think about making a live action adaptation. Structure is king. Because I mean, when it comes to content, you know, the state of like the state of the art in special effects is probably good enough to get good enough to get uh, you know good enough to get like the same like visual quality as a good anime, assuming the studio doesn't half-ass it. Now, the key is having a story, the key is having a story that can be told in a movie-length time frame. Uh, and so, I would say, what would make a, a great live-action movie adaptation would be Flag. Oh yeah, flag flag yeah, because too. because the thing about that is that that actually is the, the 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 actual story is the perfect length for a movie. Uh uh and they can even and and you know and what's great about that it what's great about turning into a live action movie is they can even keep up with the found footage the whole found footage conceit with it. Because that was the way that the original thing was told. And it would probably be be better as a movie because as a series I felt that the pace was that the pacing was kinda of, kinda of slow. Yeah. And like the actual story was about like you know the actual story, you know, was about like enough for a movie but not quite enough for thirteen episodes. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of why I like the idea of turning Kizumonogatari into a live action movie as well, uh, because um, you know if you're adapting it, you can you know maybe like the movies themselves are only an hour each, and you could pretty easily tighten that up to a good two and a half, possibly even more if you really work at it. Uh, the sort of action sequences are would you know work pretty well with modern CG and all that stuff, and. Uh, Honestly, it'd just be nice to have someone adapt it that would maybe not include the grosser aspects Oops. of Kizumonogatari, so I could have a version I wouldn't be embarrassed to show people. Uh, I love how inter- how much of that did get got lost. You get now. Remember, Apparently you're, you're recording yeah, you, it, you so as long as you're out, as long as Audacity's not messing up, people are going to hear it. Uh, but yeah, I know. Yeah, we're kind. Yeah, I, I, it's making I, cor- like I'm a, It's making coordination a get, little well, tricky. Got, yeah, it's like I'm basically a ghost yeah, haunting well, the podcast. I, I got the crystal ball out, turned it over, a little cube came up, and it said it died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, moving on to the final question here. Uh, do you think Violet Evergarden's story is living up to its animation quality? Yes. I keep feeling like it's an absolutely gorgeous animation that's elevating a story that would be merely eh with more standard quality animation. Agree or disagree? Uh, uh, I think partial uh, agree. I think it's holding up pretty nicely. But only, but only because I think it's a mistake to in a visual medium uh, focus too heavily on one thing or the other. Uh, it's a fault. I, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, Violet Evergarden wouldn't be as emotionally affecting without its animation because it, it 
they specifically made it be an animation and they are you know leveraging that animation to tell well, that evergarden story well, okay so it's not singing so it's not just about it's not just about the animation it's also about the direction yeah and the i think framing of the shots and also just the aesthetic they use well and also yeah and yeah and, and not just like the like the you know the beautiful footage and all that, but also the way the character, the way the characters are shown and depicted, and the way, like, and the way their feelings are shown through the animation. I think it really enhance it enhances the experience, but the story, the story's solid. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if I would enjoy it as much if the animation was like uh, was worse um like certainly bad animation can harm a show quite a bit um but also like I- i'm not sure if i i'm not sure if it matters if the animation is what's uh it is what's making me have a reaction I might not otherwise have towards um, a show like this. Well, because okay. I think that's because I think it makes it still makes my reaction valid. <laughs> I think okay. I think one aspect. What here's a concrete aspect of the of the show where the animation enhances the story because the key the key to the key to make the key to like really. In getting invested in Violet's development is understanding at a gut level that she's not just an emotionless girl. And the key to that is seeing how is seeing how her you know, how her emotions are shown on the screen. It's yeah, very the body language is important. Right. The way like yeah, the way her expression the way her expressions are shown you know, and also, yeah, just the way the, like, the, the way the, you know, the way the, the framing of the shots, the way the framing of the shots depicts her emotions, you know, because if they, you know, if they didn't have that, then, you know, yeah, then, like, her development, her development wouldn't be nearly as compelling. And, yeah. And, and and that's real and and her development is the core of the story. Yeah, and and that's kind of why I I take the argument of like, you know, yeah, it probably wouldn't be as emotionally affecting if the animation were worse, but also I don't think that's a negative. Yeah, yeah, with yeah with this show, I think yeah, Kill Annie really has the whole package here. I agree, and uh, it's um, it, it, it's just a beautiful show. And I, I think if the animation was any war or any different, I I'd still like the content, but the quality of the animation goes with the quality of the content so far. Yeah. All right. So that'll be it for the listener well, questions. I well, believe. wait a minute. I what. I think there's a comment in 355. You guys, uh, they did it yesterday. About 
Oh, they did. Oh, that. yeah, yeah, the card captor one. Yeah, because because uh, I wanted to do that one while we had um, Emily with us. Okay, that was after yep. I that was after I went off to go yep, play D and D. After you vanished. Yeah, that was after you left. Fair enough. I'm that that works for me. All right. Uh, so now to. I guess do the outro for yeah, this it, podcast. It, it, this this multi-segment so podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, as always, you can uh, leave comments or questions on our blog at www.projectharhi.net uh, or on audioentropy.com uh, or you can send us emails at bakacast at projectharhi.net or you can tweet me at stiltsthegm. And you can tweet me at... And Death you know Slinky. where to find me. Yeah, if you can, if you can track Larry just, down, you know where to get to him. Just put it in the comments section. I'll find it. Everybody, you know. And now that the comments are working again, I'll find them. <laughs> yeah. Although, now, now that we actually know when people are putting comments there. Although who knows? Uh, who knows how long they'll keep working? Yeah. Well, well let's this cross is our why fingers. I'm the webmaster. Um, anyway, with on his heads, and you guys are still young. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kiddos. Tata, y'all. Thanks for your support. See you later. Bye bye. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I think that'll be it for this segment. I will pay. Yeah, I'll. I'll just go ahead and we'll. We'll. Aaron and Ben and uh, Larry and I will record like a listener segment section so a little later this week and then i'll just uh splice it onto the end here duct tape i'll be fine yeah duct tape yeah with duct tape it solves everything all right (laughs) thank you much very much for joining us emily thank you for having me yep and uh we will do this again in a couple weeks uh assuming everything goes well hopefully yeah maybe Uh, and yeah i'm not i'm not sure what to say here because it's weird that we're ending it but not actually ending it why don't we just uh why don't you say recording stop and that way you can do a butt splice and nobody will ever know this happened because none of this audio will ever we'll know it nobody else this doesn't exist should i I hit stop yeah recording stop recording stopped